right here. Thank you. Hey, we're children of the light. Isn't it good that we're all together? Hey. And let's just let's just uh, pray a special blessing over the newly married couple that's joining us today. Hi. I love it. Oh, probably one of the best weddings I've been to ever. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to, to be part of that. That was amazing. Um, I, I, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, today I thought I was going to begin a new series, uh, but God had different plans, so we are going to take a turn um, and just lay out a message today that's simply titled, the, We, the Triune Being. The Triune Being. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And then put a finger over in um, Philippians 4, I believe, and we'll get to at the end. Oh, I love it how my message just kind of disappears when it wants to. All right, well, we'll close that out a minute and go back to it. There it is. Yeah, Philippians 4. We'll get to at the end. Triune being uh, just simply means three parts. Like the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are created in the image and the likeness of God. Three parts. And when I was putting this message together a couple weeks ago, I didn't even know it was for a Sunday morning. I thought it, I was just doing a study all on my own, um, looking up these different things. I was simply just focusing on us and our being, the, the, the mind, the, the spirit, and the body, the three parts of, of us. And I believe it was yesterday while I was getting ready. I've told you before, there's power in the shower, so, you know, because you... You're there before the Lord, you know, unashamed, right? And all of a sudden, like he does so eloquently with me, he asked me a question that I don't know. I know he knows. And, and he said, do you know how many things I created in three? You know, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know. And all of a sudden, all these things just started popping up in my mind. And I know some of you don't believe me, but I believe Google is this close to being saved. <laughs> and I really heard God say, Google it, Google it. And I'm like, so I'm like, you know, waiting till I could grab my phone and I just started all these things started popping, popping up in my head because I'm not like, you know, scientist, you know, brainiac. And I started Googling these things and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And so I had to quickly just try to write these things down. Besides us, a being, being, you know, mind or soul, it's called soul, spirit, and body. The body itself is composed of three parts. The brain, the trunk, and the limbs, it's called. The brain is comprised of three parts. And I will slaughter those three names if I... Well, actually, I can say one, right? Uh, 
because there's the brain stem, the cerebral and corbum, you know. There's three parts to the brain. The heart has three different layers, has three different functions. The respiratory system, airway, lungs, and the muscles are three parts. Female reproductive systems, the male reproductive, both have three. The atom is made up of proteins, neutrons, and electrons, three parts. The cell itself consists of, and I will, yeah, I'm not even going to try, three parts, we'll say. The molecule, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, even your DNA, three different types of components. And I started going on, and I'm like, I can't, I have to stop. Three, three. First John, I believe it is um, in chapter four, chapter five, it says, and these three bear witness, the water, the blood, and the spirit. The blood cleanses salvation, the water, the birth where we die, and the spirit, the Holy Spirit, fire baptized. These three testify. We are triune beings. And so today I want to focus on um, the mind. The mind, the soul, the way we think, our thoughts, the spirit that's given to us of God, the spirit in us. That's where the faith is birthed. That's where we're we're connected to. He says, the spirit I placed in you, I long jealously for. That's where we're linked to eternity. And our body is our actions. It's our temple of the Holy Spirit. It's what we get to clap to the Lord with, shout to praises with. It's what we get to see, like Sally Joe was saying, the glory of the Lord on display in creation. It's what we hear, what we say, what we do. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, familiar scripture, I, I preach this all the time. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, we just open ourselves up, continue to open ourselves up to you, to your word, to your Holy Spirit. Just move in us, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare even our bodies to receive your word, apply it to our lives, that we can live it out for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Then you will be able to. See, there's a process. You have to start. Start renewing. Then you'll be transformed. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. There is a 
perfect order, if you will. See, you can take those three parts, that this triune body, and get it out of sync, out of order, and you'll have or produce the wrong thing. Um, it's kind of like, an, you know, I, I do a little baking. Um, but you know you can lay out all the ingredients, but you put them out of order into the same bowl and you'll have a different result. You know, you have to, there's an order to it. Same thing with our triune being. You can't just say, well, here I am, you know, and, you know, what is it? Whatever will be, will be, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, que sera, sera. Thank you. Somebody said that. Que sera, sera, whatever, will be, will be. Well, if you do that, you're more than likely going to be running forward by feelings, Right? So now that's called a soulish individual or an emotional-based or a feeling-based individual. It's whatever you feel like today that I'll do. Well, that's okay when you're two. No, actually, when they get two, it's like you're not going to act like that anymore. So let me say when you're zero to one, but you get over one years old and it's not okay anymore. You know, it's not okay to poop in your diaper anymore. It's not okay to wear your diaper anymore, right? You can't just be led by what you feel like. So it can't be feelings first. It can't be flesh first. Because let me tell you, this flesh likes frosting. It likes cake. It likes to eat. It likes to sleep. It likes to lay around. It likes to, right? So I can't be led by my body first, by my flesh first, or else it's all out of whack. It has to be by spirit, which is linked to God, linked to eternity, grounded in his truth first. I remember back when I was working with Pastor Kerry and we started Master's Commission there. Um, you know, that's humbling when you begin to really step in, and I was already years into ministry, but when you step into the realization that there are people following you, you know, and we are all leaders. Let me just clarify that. I don't care if you, you know, say you're not a leader, you are a leader. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And what are we supposed to do? Go and mentor, disciple nations, which means they're following you. And to, when I was starting this master's commission, Pastor Kerry taught me that this, this order, that he says sometimes we have to speak it right to ourselves. You know, Holy Spirit, Spirit in me, you are subject to the Holy Spirit. You will listen to the Holy Spirit. You are linked to the Holy Spirit. I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit. And mind, thoughts line up to what is true, you know, and we just put that in order. And body, you follow behind that. And that's the order. And I would pray that every day and teach the Master's Commission. This is what we pray. Why? Because this is what we believe and this is what we do. You know you're called a believer for a reason. So there is an order. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we, again, I have another scripture that I preach all the time. 11.1 1 says it now by faith, right? Faith is a substance that, of things hoped for and the evidence. Substance and evidence. Substance and evidence of things hoped for. 
of things you can't see. Faith, substance, evidence, proof of what you believe. Can faith work? Well, according to James, faith cannot work apart from action. Faith is useless, dead. So in lining James up with Hebrews in that scripture being the substance and the evidence, faith is the proof. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the action of what you believe. Faith being the spirit linked to God, believe means that I know, right? I mean, you can have belief in a lot of things. You can believe in a lot of things. You can believe that your spouse loves you, but come on, don't you want some proof? <laughs> right? Prove it. For me, I talk a lot about the five love languages. And for me, it's easy to see by the love language, right? Mine is acts of service and gifts. They go hand in hand, which, by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys know who I'm thanking. The gifts that are coming every day to our house during this month of pastor appreciation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I line up all the cards along my, you know, one counter just so I can continue to look at them. I, I wanted to keep all the gifts so I could look at them, but I've already gotten into them all. So, I'm like, do I keep the empty box? I, I don't know. You know, I cuddle up with a blanket every night. I love them. Love languages are a, are a way to prove the love, right? Come on, do you really want somebody who just is your spouse who just says they love you but never shows that they love you? No, you wouldn't be spouses, would you? Come on, come on. It's love, faith is a proof of what I believe in. It's what I do. Listen, you can hope for things that are not true, but where's the substance? You can hope for things you don't see, but where is the evidence? Faith is the evidence. Faith is the substance. Why? Because that's what makes me take that step. Faith is that step forward. See, I can believe it, I can believe it, I can believe in healing, I can believe in healing, I can believe in healing, but until my mouth speaks, healed, in Jesus' name, get up out of that bed. I haven't acted upon that faith. Putting our triune being in right order, faith first must be founded in truth. Then to believe means to be fully convinced of what we don't yet see, but we trust. We're fully convinced that God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And that's why I will do. I will put it into action. Well, what if? I don't care. What if? Right? I know what will happen if I don't. Nothing. I mean, come on, you ever prayed for somebody and that's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, what if they don't get healed? Well, I know if I don't say it, I know they won't be healed. Right? Evidence. The substance. 
Listen, I don't listen to, I don't watch um, evangelists on TV. I don't, you know, to sit there and watch a pastor. Now, I listen to lots of messages on my phone. But to sit there, I, I've got too many things when I'm at home I'm doing. Sit there and watch. I just don't. If you do, I'm so glad you do because there was one on there. I don't even know who he was. But, and I don't like the TV on if, I'm not, if somebody isn't sitting there watching it. That's one of my pet peeves. I don't like that. And I was out in the kitchen all and I'm like, I think that TV's on. So I walked out there to grab the remote. And as I grabbed the remote, it was a TV preacher. I don't even know who it was, what he was talking about. But he started this example, this about um, you have to put it into action. And I'm like, what are you putting into action? He's like, you know, it's faith has to be put into action before it affects anything, before it can change anything. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And he had this water bottle, and he kept shaking it around. And he said, let me tell you a story. There's a, there's a dying person in a hospital bed. I'm there beside the dying person in the hospital bed. The doctor comes in and says, this person's dying. You know what they're dying of? They're dying of thirst. They need water. But they won't drink water. And he says, I look over at the nightstand, there's a bottle of water sitting there. He says, but he won't drink the water. And he's got today. He has to get water today. And so the doctor leaves, and the pastor's telling this story. And he says, he looks at the person in the bed and says, do you believe the doctor? He says, yes. Do you believe the water will save you? He said, yes. Do you believe you need to drink the water? Yes. Will you drink the water? No. And then he goes on, and, you know, I won't elaborate. You know, he did the nice theatrical, you know, preacher thing that, you know, of course we're all supposed to do. Um, three times, doctor comes in. He's only got hours now. He has to drink. He's only got hours now. He's only got minutes now. He has to drink. Do you believe what the doctor says? Yes. Do you believe you need this water? Yes. Do you believe if you drink the water, you will be healed? Yes. Do you want to drink the water? No. See, we can believe, believe, believe. But until we put it into action, that's faith. Believe, faith, body. It's all three of those. It's hope, faith. And then your body becomes this love offering, this living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. Why? Because we're acting upon his word. We're trusting him and moving in it. Then those three, I mean, it's like, I know, I'm not going to use my superhero type analogies because my son called me up the other day. He goes, boy, you blew that one all up. I started talking it like it was a transformer. He said, you know, you was describing a whatever other cartoon fictional character. And I'm like, oh, okay, I won't do that again then. <laughs> As a mom growing up with six kids, five of them being boys, they were all watching different things, so I kind of get them all mixed up. But anyway, okay, it's okay. But it's like these three powerful elements in us, when they come together, it's heaven come, kingdom come, now on earth. It's that will be done explosion that happens. But it's 
got to be linked in first in truth. God, you said it. I believe it. So I will act upon it. That's the living sacrifice. That's that body that becomes holy and pleasing to him. When we come to him in our triune being, all working together in proper order, linked with him and expanding his kingdom is powerful. So we have to retrain, it says in Romans, we have to retrain or reprogram the way we think. Because it's that double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways, right? The parable that Jesus taught about the, the word, and he said that, you know, you can receive the word, but you'll go out and it's stolen here, eaten here, you know, it, it's nullified. One of the um, examples he used is that the cares of the world, what, the double-mindedness, oh, I need to do this, oh, I need to do that, oh, that, well, that one and that. It's that double-mindedness nullifies, renders the word of God useless in your life because of this double-mindedness. Well, God, you said this, but this happened. Why did this happen, God? And all of a sudden, you've got this battle going on in your mind between reality, what you know is true, but what you're seeing and you're trying to change what he said compared to what you've seen. And you're rewriting the word of God and creating a God in your own image and no longer can he do anything in your life. He's rendered useless, powerless. You know, how did there, on the cross, two thieves on both sides, one accepted Jesus, one rejected him. One was found in the kingdom of heaven. He said, today you'll be with me in glory. And the other one went to eternity in hell. Unbelief. Unbelief strips Jesus and leaves him hanging on the cross, naked, no authority, no power, rendered useless. Unbelief. And where does that come from? Right here. And what you think. If you put what you think, what you've seen, what you've experienced above the word that's true, You've rendered him useless, powerless in your life. And now all of a sudden you're like this. Your whole life is a roller coaster up and down. You have to start here first. Romans 12, 1 or 2 says that we have to renew our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I thought you said spirit's supposed to come first in truth. It's already laid out for you. It's right here in the Word. God said it. That settles it, right? God said it. It's here. Now what am I going to make or allow this thing, my thinker, to believe? There's three things when I'm talking about renewing or, or um, yeah, transforming, renewing. Renewing your mind transforms your entire body. Renewing your mind. And there's three things you have to do. Pray. The second thing is demolish and take captive. They're, they're two and the same. Pray, um, demolish, take captive, and then think. Your 
remember the old, I, I can't remember who the guy's name was, Josh McDowell. Back when I was in youth ministry, he put out this book called um, Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. I loved it. Because people really believe that you can't use your brain and think it's all faith-based and you just accept it. Well, that's stupid. If he didn't want you to use your brain, why'd he give you a brain? If he didn't want you to think on your own, why would he give you a will and a choice? If he wanted a robot, he would have made a robot. He didn't. He wanted willing love. Love has to be willing to give. Don't check your brains at the door. You are to think, but there is a purpose and a priority and a focus to how you think. So let's just look at these real quickly. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking, I love this prayer. I, I probably write it in all of your guys' cards whenever I send it. I, I write this Ephesians 1.17 under my signature and cards all the time. I love it. It is my prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I don't pray that God gives me or you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can sit around these big think tables and just explain how much we know. I don't care about what you know. I want to know who you know. What do you know about him, right? That's what he's praying for. That's what he says. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's, what, that's where it starts right there. God, give me, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that when I pick up your word, everything comes alive. That I know you better, Lord, every day. Know you better. Draw in closer. See you more clearly. That's a pray. Pray, one. That's the first step. Second step, demolish and take captive. Both the same thing. And you know what? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with, with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds start right here in your mind. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. To demolish and take captive. The word pretension, see it's arguments and pretensions. Pretensions are, let me, I wrote it down so I wouldn't have a long explanation here. Allegations of doubtful value. If they cause you to doubt God. It said arguments and pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. Arguments to argue that God isn't who he says he is. Pretensions, doubts, allegations, doubts. 
that God isn't who he says he is or won't do what he says he will do. It says to demolish them, smash them. Like a... Sorry, I'm going to tell on Brian for a minute. Good, he's not in here. He's got this rule that the dog just hasn't understood yet in our house. You can poop in the backyard, but not in the front yard. So, oh, the speakers must be on out there. Sorry, Brian. So we let her out the back door. She can go out there and do her business. But when we're out front on the front porch, which we like to sit on, and did you see my porch is done? Did you like it? Gina was up here last time, and I was all confused. I had half of it painted one way, half the other. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. But if we go out on the front porch and sit out there and the dog's out there with us, we'll be talking, sipping our coffee, and all of a sudden, Brian, out of the corner of his eye, will see Des start to... He'll go, no! (laughs) And then he's like, get her! And he wants you to grab her by the neck and drag her out in the backyard. Right? Demolish, no! And take captive and make it obedient to Christ. Both. Right? I mean, what do you, come on, even in the house, she will for some reason. We've got hardwood floors everywhere, except we have a piece of rug here or carpet here. Where do you think she pukes? Thank you! And what do we do? No! Right? And then we run and grab her by the back of the neck and throw her out the back door. Same principle. You start to have an argument in your mind. Let me just tell you, it doesn't have to be physical. It starts right here. All of a sudden, you're having an argument with yourself. You're starting to doubt. There's a pretension, an allegation of doubtful value. No! Right? Demolish it immediately and take it captive and make it obedient. And you drag that sucker right to the foot of Jesus' cross. It has to be both. It has to be the demolish and it has to make it obedient. By the back of the neck, you drag that dude. Listen, I refuse to entertain any thought that would lessen the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice he made. I refuse to believe or entertain a thought that would turn one of God's promises into a lie. And I refuse to believe or even entertain a thought that would make one of God's commands a suggestion if I feel like it. No! He said it, I believe it, that settles it. And the third, think. Think. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, God has given us the mind of Christ. So we don't have to think like a human being. We don't have to reason on our own. We don't lean on our own understanding. We think with the mind of Christ. Think. Well, I don't know what to do. He does. 
ask him. He said, if you need, if you lack wisdom in anything, ask me. And he said, he'll give it to you without, listen, without any judgment, without any uh, restraint. He says, I'll give it to you. I'll give you wisdom. But if you doubt, but if you doubt, don't expect to receive it. I don't know. He does. Yeah, but if I just knew the will of God, you can. Right here. So then, why? Renew your mind. Be transformed. Then you will know the will of God for your life. God's perfect, pleasing will. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation. It, ex- it just expounds on the King James. It says, don't worry about anything. Do you know it's a sin to worry? Worrying is saying you don't trust. When you worry, you don't trust. You can't trust and worry at the same time. Don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. As you go, as you walk, as you take those steps of faith. When you don't know what's coming up, he'll guard you. But you have to pray about everything. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Thank him for everything. And take those steps. Verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is pure, on what is true, honorable, right, lovely, admirable. Think about these things. Why? Because Jesus would. And we're supposed to be thinking with his mind. Think with his mind. Would he entertain these doubtful thoughts? Would he entertain this foreboding spirit that thinks the worst of everything, this pessimistic outcome and everything? Well, you just know. That's how people are. That's what's going to happen. And oh, woe is me. Would he do that? No. Fix your thoughts. Think from the mind of Christ, not according to the pattern of the world. Sorry, I'm still going on. I'm reading this. Verse 9. And keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. The triune being created in the image and likeness of God was not made to survive the day. You are more than conqueror in him. Yeah, he said, you're going to have troubles in this world. Don't worry. I've overcome the world. 
stay in me and you'll receive all that overcoming, all that triumphant procession that he leads with all the time. Don't, don't follow your feelings. Don't follow your flesh. Tell those two where to get in line. You need them. You've heard me say that before, that, you know, emotions and, and feelings are good slaves, servants, but they're not good masters. Don't be led by what you feel. The triune being, listen, is a believer fully convinced in the God of all truth, by faith holds unswervingly to all God's word and offers their body as a living sacrifice, confirming his word to be true by the things that you do. We confirm the word of God in our life. We confirm what we believe to be true, whether good or bad. Today is communion, and at the close right now, we're going to take just a a few minutes while the ushers are going to start passing out the communion. I want to talk to you for a few minutes, so try not to get distracted. While they're handing those elements out, we need to um, bring this word. What do I do, Lord? What's my response to this word? We have to, if we just go into a service or um, listen to a message or even open our Bible on our own and just hear the word, and don't act upon it, nothing changes. Actually, I feel like I'm supposed to. Chapter 13, Jesus is sharing with them the parables of the kingdom. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. And he says in um, verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. You have to not just hear, you have to understand. And it's an understanding that we act upon. Again, that triune being 
has to receive the kingdom, believe the kingdom, and act upon the kingdom. Otherwise, any other way, and you render it useless, powerless. Today we need to repent of our unbelief. Our, our entertaining of those doubtful thoughts that have stripped Jesus of his power and authority in your life. And we need to commit to renewing our mind. See, repenting is turning from it. It's a change done. I repent. I change the way I, I think. A renewing means I continue to change the way I think. Ongoing. Renewing. Every day. Renewing. That dog's going to try to go to the front yard once in a while. And you got to no to him. Take him by the neck and drag him to the backyard. That thought will pop up or a person will say something. And, you know, I'm not saying scream out in the middle of a restaurant. No! You know, I was trying to have a deep conversation with my parents last week as we were heading out the door to go to a restaurant and a beautiful two-year-old wants 100% of your attention. And a deep conversation started and we're trying to, and I'm like, no, that's not true. Yes, that's true. No, that's not, but yes, it's no and yes. You know, and I, I felt like I just, you know, kind of exploded and, and made a big mess of things because the two-year-old, and anyway, so I got on the phone uh, the next day it was, or I can't remember, and I said, let me explain. The answer is yes, and the answer is no. It's both. I'm not going to just, well, well, case sarah, sarah, I guess they'll have to figure it out themselves, you know. No, I refuse to entertain any thought that would lessen the sacrifice or render powerless the blood in my life or in their life because of the entertaining of a wrong thought. We need to repent of that unbelief commit to renewing our mind. In 1 John 1 7 it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Righteous man can fall a thousand times, but he gets up, says he stands up every time. Not in his own strength, let me tell you something. <laughs> it, usually when I fall flat on my face, you know, whatever, and blowed up argument of, you know, old faithful proportions, you know, at your spouse, and then you have to, you know, come crawling back to the throne of mercy. It's by grace that I stand up. It's His grace, His operational power that gives me the strength to stand again and know He's in me. Greater is He that's in me. 
And so you can make a lot of mistakes as you go through this journey of yours, but you're not a mistake just because you make a mistake. You're not a liar because you lied. explaining this at staff meeting I said it helps me because I'm a picture person my mind I quickly see Satan okay I'm going to say it out loud and then he'll just know it but Satan tries to drag you people try to drag you finger pointers accusations whatever will grab you pull you by the ear right before the judge, point their finger and condemn you. You thought this, you said this, you did that, you know, blah, 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 right? You're horrible. Judge them, God. Judge them, God. Right? You ever feel that way or is it just me? You will drag at sometimes your own self there. Horrible. Why did I do that? I'm just a failure. I'm no good. This thing, I did it. I fought it. I said it. Blah, blah, blah. And you drag yourself right to the courtroom and you throw yourself down before the judge. All ascent right now. It's all over. I did it. I said it. Horrible. But in that courtroom, there's one judge. There's two tables. There's the prosecutor, the accuser of the brother, sits at this table. And there's the defender, Jesus stood in my place who it's by his righteousness it's by his blood it's his atonement that covers all sin all I have to do is stay at his table not set with the accuser not even set at the stand why because Jesus said I've taken your place I have to sit at this table to receive his forgiveness, to receive his atonement, to receive his grace, his mercy, his strength, to stand again. So whether it's a thought, whether it's your own thoughts, whether it's your own mistake, whether it's your own mind saying it and trying to condemn you, move yourself back over to the defender's table and just sit there and receive. Receive. You're right. I did it. I need mercy. I need grace. I need forgiveness. Are you going to do it again? I always hear that. I don't know about you, but I always hear this little whisper, you know, like in the courtroom scenes and, you know, where, you know, the lawyer whispers over to, you know, the defendant. And I hear the, are you going to do it again? By your strength by your power. That part's got to go. Cut it out. Kill that thing. I don't want to do this again. So while we're holding, you know, the sacrifice, this um, symbol of his blood, the symbol of his body, I would be amiss if I didn't offer opportunity right now. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, personal relationship, he's number one. Unashamed of, he's number one in my life. 
and you need to do that right now, right now. Just raise your hand because I'm going to pray with you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to point you out. I'm going to... Yep, by the grace of God, we were all there. understanding of the kingdom and the application and his power to walk it out is coming over you right now. It's the atonement. So can we just do that? Can we just, with your words, with your mouth, just start thanking him for his sacrifice. Thank you, God, that you did. You loved us enough to send your one and only son to die in our place, to be the sacrifice that would wash away all the sins of the entire world. And all we have to do is receive. Receive from you. Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your mercy, your grace. Right now, we receive it. We receive it. We receive it. Jesus, 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 we thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you laid down your life in our place. You willingly went to the cross. you that you loved him enough to not leave him in the grave. You loved us enough to pour within us the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you, Father, for your word is true, active and living, sharper than a double-edged sword, that you can cut away the junk in our life. surrender to your knife right now. Just cut it away. If there's things in our life that, that it, it just, let's say, unproductive. That's without benefit even. Whether it's blatant sin or, or just something that is just taking up time. Just cut it out right now. In Jesus' name. just sacrifice right now. It sounds so trivial to say that we sacrifice in comparison with your great sacrifice, but our life we offer to you, God, as a living sacrifice, our bodies. God, they're holy and pleasing to you because it's by your righteousness, by your blood. Just stand and 
honor as we get ready to accept these elements. The word says that on the night that he was betrayed, he sat at the table with his disciples and he took the bread, he broke it. it out he gave thank for it and he asked hey do this do this and when you do this remember me remember me remember me and this is not a oh remember this is the reason I live today this is the reason I breathe today this is the reason that I have a mission today this is the reason this I remember that you and all your atonement and all you sacrificed is the energy the strength and the power the commission the reason father we just thank you again that it was your father's heart that gave your best and Jesus we remember the, the night that you were betrayed that you said nobody's taken nobody's taken this from me and on the night that you were betrayed you stood up and said not my will be done but yours be done for laying down your life for us. By your stripes we're healed. We're set free. still sinner. Christ died for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll never forget your sacrifice. We eat this together. I said in the same way he took the cup before him of a new cup. He said this is a new covenant I'm making with you new covenant mark in my blood see the old covenant was just the shadow of the reality of the new covenant a better way a more and abundant life he said his blood spilled for the salvation of the world cleansing though you can stand here and your sins could be as scarlet as bread his blood washes you white as snow his blood cleanses you from all sin mm. all your promises God are yes and amen You've come to save, sozo, completely heal, 
our triune body, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, say completely healed through your blood. And right now we just receive that complete healing right now. In Jesus' name. Let's do that. Let's just press into it and thank him for that complete healing. And if you came with a sickness in your body or uh, emotional turmoil or whatever it is, just start thanking him right now. And we're going to begin praying for people at the altar. I want you to come up and I want you to worship. Seal that word inside of you. <laughs> 